0: We will be reading Psalms 46. Please read with me. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Please pray with me. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you remind us that you are our strength. You are our ref- refuge. That you are the one on most high, Father. You are in this with us. And we do not need to fear because you are there, Lord. And Father, just bless today and, and bless Steve that his words are your words, Father. That you are just... Pressing the Holy Spirit in this place, and those that are needing this message, just feel it within their being, Father. Just move this place. We praise your name, and we thank you for everything you have given us. In your precious name we pray, amen.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Life Community Church. It's so good to see you. Maybe you guys did one of the, uh, came out of your house today. I did not know that it was gonna be so slick out today. I don't pay attention to the weather. Uh, hey, before we jump into our message today, I just want to take some time just to, to praise God for some of the things that He is doing. Uh, we are just so thankful, so excited about the way that the Lord has been kind of steering this ship in this new season, and, and, and there's so many things that we're excited about. One of the things that I just want to communicate and praise God for, uh, for this past week, was kind of the response that kind of happened after last week's uh, sermon. So last week, if, if you were here, if you're not, you can go back and look at the video on our... Um, social media account, but uh, I just felt the desire from the Lord to, 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 to speak a sermon about uh, confessing, about finding hope in the midst of a struggle of hidden sin, about taking steps to walk towards freedom, uh, and, and the Lord did some work, and I had conversations with quite a few of you where, where God brought the strength to take steps towards freedom, And I just wanna praise him today for that. There was such an encouragement to my soul this week to watch the Lord doing some things in people's lives. Uh, But I also felt a little bit of a burden this week because I think that I left the conversation just slightly short uh, of where I wanted to take it. Uh, Look, there is a mixed bag of emotions that comes with being somebody that is uh, being confessed to often in the case when when somebody is confessing to somebody, there can be a weight, a burden that is taken off of one individual in their sin and, and placed on somebody else because of a burden of something that they didn't even know was a reality in somebody's life. And it can be really, really heavy. And so I just want to speak to those of you who may have received a confession this week. I just want to say, like, thank you. Like, thank you for trying to muster up as much grace and mercy and love as you possibly could, because it's not easy, right? It is not easy to be in that position, and I can't imagine the, the pressure and the weight of things and the thoughts that you've gone through. If I could speak some encouragement to you, let me say this. The Lord is very clear that we have to have a desire to take what is dark and bring it into the light, that we have to take what is hidden and bring it into the light, because it is better served in the hands of God than hidden in the hearts of man. And wherever you're at, I want you to realize this, it may be hard, but it's better. It's better by far. The road that you are on may be hard, but it's got the hope of a road that is better than any road that you've ever been on in your entire life in this situation. So I just, I just wanna speak praise to you, thank you for this, and, and ask you to continue to muster up as much grace and mercy in this path, it's ups and downs that you possibly can, that you remember the grace and the mercy that the Father has given to us in these things. It doesn't mean that you don't communicate expectations, you don't lay out your desire, you don't be honest with people, you don't want to see accountability in some things. It just means that you try to show as much grace as you possibly can for as long as you can. So uh, I'm just so proud. I'm just so proud of of what God has done in your lives and so thankful to be a part of it. Um, So I just wanted to speak to that reality real quick today. So today, Mark's We're in halfway through the book of Psalms at the end of the day, Uh, halfway through what we started in the series all the way back in January, Psalms as a soundtrack to our lives in 2018. And so this is a good chance to kind of look back on where we've been. Like we started all the way back in January seems so far ago. It seems like it was a long time ago, up by New Year's. But in January, we started going through the book of Psalms. We started with Psalm 146, and out of that, we pulled just this rhythm that, that, the, that the people in Psalms, uh, that wrote the Psalm had of, of praising God, that they took their eyes off the mess that they had, and they praised the King for what they had. They had gratitude in their lives. They praised the King. Second week, we, we went into Psalms 119, and then we elevated, we elevated us desiring to grow in doctrine and wisdom within the scriptures, that we would place a value of reading God's word in our life because we know this, that the word of God brings us a wealth of knowledge and resource in times of of trouble, times of calamity uh, in any time. And so we lifted that up and then we moved on to what is probably the most well-known psalm uh, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. We just talked about the importance of having the right perspective of God, that God is our shepherd, and we, in fact, are his sheep. And sheep need a shepherd, and we kind of concluded that, look, sheep are kind of the dumbest animals on the world, and they need a shepherd, right? And so it's important that we get to see Christ as our shepherd because it, it provides for us uh, just a rhythm that sustains us and helps us persevere in life. And then last week I spoke about uh, this earlier, Psalm 32, we, we talked about David and just the, the aftermath and, and, the, and the doings in this story with Bathsheba and Uriah And how David hid his sin, but ultimately the Lord gave him the freedom to confess his sin to others and to God himself. And and we just concluded how important it is that we don't hide. Because hiding our sin leads us into realities that we never hoped that we would get into. Because sin begots sin. David never woke up wanting to be an adulterous murderer. He ended there because of sin that was hidden in dark places. And this week we are walking into Psalm 46. Psalm 46, my favorite hymn. In fact, I taught about this hymn a year ago in the favorite series that we did here. I taught about Psalm 46, and I taught it in a way to kind of reveal the characteristics of God that we see present within this psalm. And so this week, I want to retread it a little bit and speak of Psalm 46 in the context in which it was written, the context of what is happening around the time of Psalm 46. And so here's what we know. Psalm 46, written in 80, 890 D, uh, BC 890 BC if you remember your BC from school BC goes downwards so it's a thousand to zero so this is a, 120 years after the death of King David David died in 1015 have you guys realized I'm a nerd when it comes to the uh, like history and I just I love this stuff and so 890 BC written it was written by a, I love it was gr- written by a group of people called the sons of Korah It wasn't written by David. It was written by the Sons of Korah. Doesn't that just sound like a great heavy rock band? Like you can see it on the ticket. And now Metallica's here with the Sons of Korah. You can just see it as a headline. Actually I think there is a band called Sons of Korah. I don't think they're a heavy metal band though. Uh, But anyway, Sons of, it's a general term. It describes the descendants of this man named Korah. And Korah is a very intriguing figure is not like this godly dude that we look and go, ah, oh, man, sons of Korah, what a great lineage. No, no, Korah led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. We find it in the book of Numbers. He leads a rebellion and he's killed for it. And it says in the word that the sons of Korah were spared. And the reason that they were spared because they, they didn't listen to the counsel of their father. Instead, they stayed in the court of Moses. And so the Lord blesses them and they pop up every once in a while in our Old Testament. They become porters of the temple. And this is it's a military position that literally means they stand like this. I don't know what kind of armor they've got on, but they protect the gates. They are protectors of the temple gates, and they open the doors and they shut the doors for people who are supposed to be in there. That's their job. They get to observe lots of things as porters of the temple. It's a, a pretty prestigious job. And so the sons of Korah are, are going to uh, reflect on the events and the happenings of what is happening in this time period. Uh, They go on, they write 11 of the 150 Psalms, the sons sons of Korah. And so they're reflecting on on a time where the Lord delivered the Israelites the kingdom of Judah from the hands of a foreign invasion. They're reflecting and writing about what they saw. And we find this story, we find this event in the Old Testament book, of 2 Chronicles in chapter 20. And so, kind of some history. Uh, the, the Israelite kingdoms for a long time were a united front. We've got three semi-great kings. Saul was really good to start with, and he kind of went crazy. We have Saul, who leads the United Kingdom of the Israelites. Then we've got David. We love David, although, yeah, you know, David's a little bit of a dog at times, but he's a man after God's own heart. And then we have Solomon, the wisest man that ever lives. And then after Solomon, Solomon's kids just... It just blows up and it fractures and divides into two different kingdoms. We've got the northern kingdom called the kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom called the kingdom of Judah. We're specifically looking at the kingdom of Judah and there was a king at this time named Jehoshaphat. He's the fourth king of the southern kingdom and the Bible says that he's a pretty good king. He's a pretty decent king, and, but in this scenario, what he is going through is there is a situation where there is a gathering of enemies on his doorstep. There is a group of foreigners that are neighbors to him called the Moabites. They worship a, an idol god called Hemosh, and they have partnered with other people who believe in the same god. So you've got the Ammonites, You got the Meunites. There's lots of ites in the Old Testament. We can just keep going through lots of ites. So they have an alliance, the Moab Alliance, and they are on the doorstep of the southern kingdom, and they are set to wipe this thing out. And and what the Bible says happens next is that Jehoshaphat sees this army gathering, and he freaks out. And in that, this first thing that he does is it said, I love this phrase in, in, in the word. It says that he turns his face and seeks the Lord. That he turns his face and he seeks the Lord. And he commands the entire kingdom of Judea to pray and to fast. And then he gets a delegation of men to lead them in prayer that they would together pray to God. He just straight up hits the panic button. Have you ever heard of the phrase jumping Jehoshaphat? This is this guy, all right? He's a little trigger happy, he, he gets, and so he hits this and he, he calls for the whole nation to pray, could you imagine what it would be like to be in a nation where everybody was on their face praying and fasting to the Lord? This is what we find in the context of this story. What a sight that would be to see. And so what this gives to us with Jehoshaphat is what I think is a great lesson for all of us. This is the great thing about these stories of God's people. They bring great wisdom and insight to us. So he orders the whole place to pray. He, he seeks his face. And so what he does is that in his moment of distress, in that first initial moment, it's a great rhythm for us, he turns his face to seek the Lord. He turns his face to seek the Lord. And, and, and I... I what I love about that, is, 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 is Josiah, I was going to say Josiah, Jehoshaphat, he's got a massive kingdom, and he's got a good army, and he's got some allies. He could have, in that moment, he could easily send a delegation of people to go to the Northern kingdom that sometimes they're friendly, and say, "Hey, look, we're about ready to be wiped out. Will you help us?" But that's not what he does first. He could have got his generals and say, "Get the army fit to, to fight." That's not what he does. The first thing he does instantaneously, as he turns his face to seek the Lord. Uh, What a great lesson for us. I think one of the most amazing things that that somebody in my position gets to see is people of faith interacting with trials and tribulations and struggles in their lives. It has been a great honor to watch so many of you walk through some really, really, difficult days, harder than I could ever imagine, and you habitually turn your face to seek the Lord. One of the greatest abilities that we have as believers in Christ is that we get to run to our shepherd as our fortress in times of trials, and times of troubles, that we can hide within him to gain strength to find hope. It doesn't mean that we have a happily ever after. It means that we have somebody who wades into dark places with us. And what I have heard on several occasions from you has been a delight in my heart. I have heard you say, I don't know how somebody could ever make it through this without the Father. I have no idea how somebody could handle this without the Lord. I'm on. The only reason that I'm here is because God sustained me. I'm hanging on, but he's with me. Here's the thing. If he wasn't, where where are we at? If we don't have the Lord, where are we? Places that we never wanted to be, a part of things that we wish that we weren't a part of. And so I am just thankful for that. To, to see that kind of habitual turning and seeking your face. And so I think that for some of us in this room, we need to see this as a pattern and example. Jehoshaphat turning his face to the, to the Lord. People in this room turning their face to, to God to seek him. Uh, that is a pattern that we need in our lives. I, I looked up this week, I looked up the phrase, what to do when I'm scared. Just Google search that, right? Because I just wanted to see what was on the other side of this. What's the antithesis of people who don't have the Lord, who don't have that fortress, that shepherd? And... and I was kind of sad. I was really sad that, that all of it kind of revolved around convincing yourself that you shouldn't be fearful. Convincing yourself that you shouldn't have anxiety as if you could know what's in the future. How's that? That's hard to do because you don't know if this is gonna work out. But the great thing about our Lord is that he does. He does know all how all of this works out and he's been there before. I love the prayer that Jehoshaphat prays here in 2 Chronicles. I think in this prayer, there's a a lot of things that we can learn. Uh, Not that just he prayed, but what he prayed. This is what he prayed in 2 Chronicles. He said, "'And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judea and Jerusalem "'in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, "'O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven?' you rule over all the kingdoms of the nation. In your hand are power and might so that, you, that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people, Israel, and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Now listen, there's no secret formula in this, there's no special grouping of words, but there is a pattern here that I wanna note. Jehoshaphat is reminding God of who he was and what he has done. But better yet, he's reminding himself of who the God he serves is. And this is a pattern that you find constantly throughout the Old Testament with our ancestors, when they pray in their times of trouble, they speak to God as if they're trying to remind themselves of who he was, what he's brought him through, and what he's gonna do. You hear, oh God of Jacob, you moved us out of Egypt, you delivered us from this. They are reminding themselves that God has seen this, he's been through it, there's nothing new to him, he's pulled us through this time and time again, so we can rest with gratitude that we have a God that's in charge, who knows what he's doing, and he's got this. Uh, I, I remember when I first flew on an airplane. Uh, so just so you know, a little backstory about me. My family were not flyers. Uh, so when I grew up, we all piled in a car and traveled to wherever we were, whatever the distance it was. I remember loading up into a Pinto. Do you remember the Pintos? Like death on wheels, Pintos is what they were. We would load up and travel to Kings Island, eat bologna sandwiches out of the hatchback. Great memories. I can think. We just didn't fly I didn't fly for the first time until I was halfway through college. And I'm gonna tell you this, I was freaked out. Like just scared out of my mind because here's what you need to know about me. I have a slight control issue when it comes to driving and transportation. I have this silly belief that I drive better than anybody else and it would be better served for all of us if I was behind that wheel, right? And so I get on this plane and here's the problem. I can't fly an airplane, I don't have that training, but I'm gonna be honest with you, there is still a part of me that thinks that when I go past that cockpit, that we all would be better off with me behind that wheel. I'm a fool, all right, I'm just a fool in that, but there's a part of me that thinks that, How, how silly is that? I remember going into my seat and I am not confessing anxiety and fear, but inside I am more seized up than traffic in Chicago at five o'clock. I am just a wreck. And just remember sitting in my seat, grabbing onto whatever was around me and just (laughs) squeezing death lock on everything. I'm sure I bent the plastic on those seats at some point. And I'm looking around, people are just relaxing, talking. We get on the tarmac and we're getting set to take off and we're speeding up and I came to grips with that this is the end of it. My life is over. There's no way we're moving past this. And I I just was blown away With people are laughing, they're talking. I'm a rule follower if you haven't realized that yet. Uh, There are people that have their phones out and they're playing games and I'm freaking out. Like the plane is gonna blow up. You're not supposed to have your phone on. They tell you to do that for a reason. My friends are with me and they are loving every minute of it. Like, that's what friends do. They laugh at your anguish for some reason. But they were good to me, too. And let me tell you why. Because in that anguish, in that anxiety, in that uh, fear, they reminded me it's okay, right? It's okay, Steve. You know, that's normal. Hey, look at this. Look out the window here. Look how beautiful the city is when we take off. That is beautiful. Hit a bump. What is that? It's turbulence. It's just turbulence. And what my friends did for me was calm my anxiety and my fear because they had been there before, and they knew what to expect. They knew what flying was. And for us, as we enter into seasons of complexity, of difficulties, of trials, we too want to seize up. We too want to grab that control that I talked about in my life. We want to take control. But our ancestors create a better scenario for us, where we remind ourselves of who the one we serve is. That through it all, he's been faithful, and he's got it. His hand has guided us through so many difficult moments in our lives, in our lives personally, in the history of our people. And we can have the same comfort that Jehoshaphat gets to in here. There's not a situation that our God is not aware of. There's not a disease that God doesn't know about. There's nothing that our Lord isn't capable of carrying us through. It doesn't mean that there's always happily ever after. It just means whatever scenario that you're going through, that we have a God that's going to sit with us in the midst of it and be there for us. And so Jehoshaphat turns his face to God and he seeks him. And he remembers a supernatural God that knows how to bring them through it. And after Jehoshaphat prays, reminds himself, reminds God of who he is, God speaks through a man named Jehaziel. And this is what the Lord said through this man in Second Chronicles 20. Starts in verse 15, he says, And he said, this is the Lord speaking, Listen, all Judea and inhabitants of Jerusalem and and King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. Behold, they will come up by the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the valley east of the wilderness of Jerel, which is that the name of Superman's dad? I think it is, tangent, I, I can do that, that's my ADD. I can do whatever I want, it just goes everywhere. <laughs> you, will f- you will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judea and Jerusalem, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, tomorrow go out against them and the Lord, the Lord will be with you. And so Jehoshaphat, hey, don't worry about this. Hold your position, don't fear, stand your ground, watch. That's what he told him. Can you imagine how hard that would be to see an invading army on your doorstep and to God say, hey, just be still, hold your position, stand firm, watch unbelievably difficult. But that's what Jehoshaphat does. He listens. And the next morning, he gets his men. He, they arise. They go out. It doesn't talk about swords or shields or armor. It doesn't tell about how many men were on the field. It just says that they go out. And this is what Jehoshaphat does. This is great. Can you imagine? He says, I want you to put on the front lines of our battle in front of our army. I want you to go find those who were singing and put them in the front lines of our battle. Put the choir up there in front. Could you imagine in wartime any general coming to his commanders and saying, all right guys, listen, this is how we're going to prepare. This is how we're going to fight this. We've got a massive army well prepared. They're about ready to wipe us out. Here's what I want to do. Bring me the choir and I want you to put them on the front line. Unarmed men, I want you to put them on the front line and they're going to sing. They're going to sing to them. That is crazy. But this is what happens in this story. Jehoshaphat puts his men on the front line and then God holds his promise. As soon as these men walk out and begin to sing, God creates confusion amongst the alliance. And one of the armies ambushes the other. And this confusion results in them all destroying each other. There's not one that escapes, the Bible says. Not one of them escapes. Could you imagine like watching that? The sons of Korah are sending out attention. They're watching this. That's like, well, that escalated quickly. That's one of those moments in your life, right? And the Bible says that it took three days, three days for them to plunder all the valuables that were on the field. All the va- that is a massive, massive undertaking, what the Lord did there. Unbelievable. And so out of these events, the sons of Korah present in that reality, write this beautiful psalm. They speak of our God as a fortress, that things, when things look like they were going to be awful, though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, this is the end of it. Though its waters roar in foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God was in the midst of her. He was in the midst of her. And he shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. Jehoshaphat waking up in the morning, getting his armies. The nations rage. Kingdoms totter. How's this going to go? He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolation on the earth. Look at that vast amount of destruction. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. And this verse, be still, is probably the most well-known verse in this psalm. Be still and know that I am God. This is what God spoke To Jehoshaphat, stand your ground, hold firm, watch. I'm going to show up. How difficult (laughs) that must have been. But here's the funny thing. It's still hard today. And we don't have an enemy lining up (laughs) that's in our vision, that's coming ready to wipe us up, wipe us out. It is still hard for us today to be still and know that he's a God. Our lifestyle is so constantly busy. We'd rather be on our phones or looking at some TV show or reading the paper than be silent and still in front of the Lord. It's hard. Think about this. Just for an example, what if I did this? Let's just do this experiment. I'm going to be quiet for 10 seconds. You t- you think about how this feels. You're wondering when (laughs) 10 is. When did that get awkward? No, 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 there's not a whole lot of good looks up here to distract you in that silence, I get it. But it's problematic sometimes for us just to be still and silent for God. But the Lord indicates here that this is a rhythm that he needs us to be in, to be still in front of him. There's something about this. There's something that the Lord has done when saying this, that he's prescribed us to do this not as a punishment. It's not like I'm sending my daughter to the timeout or the naughty spot. That's not, this isn't a punishment. This is an opportunity to connect with the living God who reigns supernaturally in us. If you remember the prophet Elijah, maybe you you don't, but there's a story of of a guy named Elijah. He's a prophet, and Elijah's life is threatened by the wife of a king named Jezebel. Elijah is fearful, and he runs. God does not want him to run. He runs, uh, and Elijah runs into the same problem that David has, namely, you can't hide from God. I mean, this is the constant. You can't hide from God, and so God finds and knows where Elijah is. He's in this cave, and he brings him out onto this mountain, and, and the word denotes this. He said that the Lord passed by, and there was a mighty wind, and then it says that the, the Lord was not in the wind, and then an earthquake happens, and shook the earth but it says the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then a fire came across the area and it says that the Lord was not in the fire. But then it says a still, small voice came and God began to speak to Elijah. There is something that is needed for the life of the believer to be still in the presence of our Father. To be still and know. There is a rhythm of our lives where we have to slow down, to stop the frantic pace, to stop all the business. Put your phone down and seek the Lord because He wants to speak to you. Jesus, in the Gospel of Luke, says that the, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you, the kingdom of God is in you. And this is what that means is that there is a supernatural kingdom of God that doesn't reign in a building, a place, or a location, but it reigns in the hearts and the souls of those who profess by faith in Jesus Christ. That the kingdom of God is not defined by a location, but it moves with whoever has professed in the name of Christ. There is something in us that wants to speak to us, but yet we lack the discipline to do it. Think about any conversation that you have. What needs to be required for you to have a conversation with somebody? You have to be there. You have to be present to have a conversation with somebody. So often in our lives, we expect God to cut through our busyness and all of our activities and come and speak to us. God, come on my turf. But God doesn't need you. He's going to make his kingdom do whatever he wants, but he has given you the opportunity to speak to the creator God. And it is a rhythm that we must take in our lives to quiet ourselves and to hear the still, small voice of God that reigns inside the hearts of those who profess in Christ. To quiet ourselves. Can you, when you get to the ocean, you're quiet. When you get to the canyon, you're quiet because you're overwhelmed with who God is. We have to quiet ourselves and seek the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat's story brings us a great amount of wisdom. Told in the eyes of the sons of Korah, we get this beautiful psalm that reminds us of our need to, to turn our face and seek God first. Turn our face and seek God to, to remember your to remember. Friends, that that this is not new to him. There's nothing unforeseen in this. He knows where this is going to go. Remind yourself that God is in the midst of this. That he's been through this. Like our ancestors remind us in this prayer. And that we would be still and know that he is God. Be still and know that he is God. These are great things from Jehoshaphat, from the sons of Korah, for us to take with us as we move forward into the days ahead days ahead. Because look, the reality is, is there, there's trouble ahead for us. Right? That is just the pattern of life. There's tough days ahead of us and, and we need to take these ideas there. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we just come before you today and thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, just our, our people like Jehoshaphat and just the wisdom that they bring to us, the knowledge that they bring to us. Lord, will you, just, will you by our permission just help us to, to understand the aspect of turning our face to you first, that, that we, would, we would fight the desire to be in control, to seize up, that we would give it to you, Lord, and remember that you've got this. You're in control. There's nothing new to you. You've seen this before, and you've brought people through situations like this before. Give us that peace, Lord, and allow us to find time just to be still with you, to speak with you, to reflect on who you are. We love you, Lord God, and we thank you for today, but we thank you for your son the most. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.